this morning we're going to be looking at the first part of our vision, which is um, that we want to be a Jesus-centered church. I'm not sure if you can see that best, but I'll lift it up so you can see <laughs> on the camera. <laughs> Jesus-centered. Um, that's what we want to be um, as a church. And first and foremost, as a church body, we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to grow in our love for and our relationship with Jesus as individuals and as a church. We want to become more like him, and we want to point people towards him. That's why we are here. Jesus said, come and follow me. And in Hebrews we read, we must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. I want to read you a passage this morning I'm going to focus on, and it's in 1 Corinthians And it's chapter 1, verses 1 to 30. It's the whole chapter, and we're going to be looking at this chapter in the next couple of weeks. I'll start to read it to you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas, still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power." For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We are called. If you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 1 a few times, you start to see various words repeated. And one of those words is called. We are a called people. We are called to various things. And the things that I want to look at this morning as I look at the value of our church being that we are a Christ-centered, a Jesus-centered church. And that is what we aspire to be, is that we are called into relationship with Jesus. We are called to be God's representatives, to be representatives of Jesus Christ. And we are given his resources to do that. We are called into relationship with Jesus. We are called to be the representatives of Jesus. And we are given the resources of Christ to do this. So we're called into relationship with Jesus. Our vision statement, our value says, first and foremost, we want to be followers of Jesus we want to grow in our love and for and relationship with Jesus. <coughs> God, verse 9 of chapter 1 here of 1 Corinthians says, God, who has called you into fellowship, that's koinonia, with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. He has called us to be in fellowship, to be in relationship with Jesus. This is a calling to be with Jesus we are called to be with Jesus as his disciples. Um, Coleman wrote about this. He said, having called his men, Jesus made a practice of being with them. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, we, we read, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Relationship is at the center of Jesus' disciple-making methodology. Jesus eats with his disciples. He walks with them. He talks with them. He goes to weddings with them. He ministers with them. He baptizes with them. He prays with them. He spends three years simply being with his followers and sharing his life with them. And the thing that I want to remind us this morning about is that we are called, first and foremost, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, and what we're about as a church to be Jesus-centered is that the first and foremost calling of every Christian is to carry the name of Christ, is to be in relationship with Jesus. Verse 9 says, God who has called you into fellowship with Jesus you are not called this morning to a religion. You are not called to be religious. You are not called to a religious institution. You are not called to religious duty. 
You are not called to rotors. You are not called to any of these things. You are called to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are called into fellowship with Jesus. God, who has called you into fellowship, into relationship with Jesus, his son is faithful. Now, the church in Corinth was getting sidetracked into factions and into who their favorite leader was, their favorite pastor. For some, Paul writes, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. And others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or Peter, or I follow only Christ. We would never do that in the modern church, would we? I follow Paul. He's my favorite. I prefer Dave. He tells the best jokes. He's like a friendly grandpa. I prefer Jeff. He's got the best voice to fall asleep to. And the Apostle Paul reminded these early believers, it was Jesus who was crucified for you. It was Jesus who died for you. It was in his name that you were baptized. It is Jesus that we preach. Jesus that we follow. Jesus who provides us with every good gift. We are called First and foremost, to follow him. We are called into a relationship with Jesus. And we can forget this sometimes, can't we? We can lose sight of it. And Rachel and Hamish reminded us so well this morning to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Not to lose sight of him and not to lose sight of our relationship with him. Now, Christian leadership is important It's an important role in the church and uh, it fulfills an important function. Rotors for churches are important. We have rotors for coffee and we have rotors for communion and we have rotors for every team in the church and many of you are on numerous rotors. And rotors can be a pain, but they're important and they're necessary to know who's going to turn up and who's going to serve And the church institution, the institution of the church is important and the way that the church functions and is put together and it's fundamental and it undergirds much of what we do. But ultimately, I want to take you back to the simplicity of the fact that first and foremost, whether you've been a Christian for a few months or for 50 years, you are called into a relationship, into fellowship with Jesus Christ. (laughs) We have got to be a Jesus-centered church. Because it is all about Christ. And Paul said, it's not about me, and it's not about Peter, and it's not about Apollos. It's about Christ. He's the one that we're going to preach. He's the one that we hold up. He's the only one that can transform somebody's life. He's the one that can make a difference for you. And as we fix our eyes on him, all these other things begin to fade into, into less importance. And that's where it starts and finished. So the first thing that we are called to be from 1 Corinthians, we are called into relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning, 
and you're here or you're watching online, what we invite you to is not to join a church in that sense or to join a religion or to do your best or read your Bible or say your prayers, but we invite you into a relationship with a living Jesus Christ who will change your life. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we're called to be Jesus' representatives as a Christ-centered church. We are called, and Paul starts his letter with this, I am Paul, and I am called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle just means a sent one, someone who's sent by Jesus. Apostolos. He has been sent by Jesus Christ. And then he says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. This word called keeps coming up in this chapter. We are sent ones. We are sent by God. We are sent by Jesus. We are sanctified ones. We are set apart by Jesus. We are set apart ones. We are Christ's ambassadors, his representatives. We are called to be Jesus' representatives. And this is Paul's personal story, who's writing this letter. He was representing earlier in his life the religious leaders of his day and the structures of his day as he persecuted the church and pursued the church until he met Jesus one day and he was called to represent him and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. We have that fascinating kind of story in Acts chapter 9 where where Paul is blinded by a revelation of Jesus, physically blinded, literally blinded, and taken into Jerusalem and led into Jerusalem. And God speaks to a prophet called Ananias and says, I want you to go and speak to this man called Saul who will change his name to Paul later in life. And God says to Ananias, Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. This man that was opposing the church and that was persecuting the church and swearing oaths that he was going to kill people in the church and stood by and watched Stephen the martyr be killed, this same man is now is called and set apart and sanctified because God wants to use him as his representative to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what has happened to us if we follow Jesus. We have been saved and set apart and sanctified so that we can be representatives of Jesus Christ to this world that does not know him. And we do that in many ways, but the word that Paul uses over and over throughout all of his letters is the word ambassador. You know, an ambassador to a country, the American ambassador to the United Kingdom is a representative of America, a representative of the United States, a representative of the President of the United States. He is the ambassador to this country. And we, Paul says, we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. We are called to represent Christ on this earth. We are called in our workplaces and wherever we go, we are called to be his representatives to represent Christ and his kingdom. And that calling is on you, and it's on me, and it's why we want to be a Jesus-centered church. I'm going to invite Paul McDowell up now to come and to talk to us about one way that we do this in our church, and one way that we represent Christ, one way that we are his ambassadors. 
Paul leads our soup run ministry, which goes out on a Friday night. Welcome, Paul. Come on in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Paul, you lead the soup run on a Friday night. Why? Why do numerous people and yourself as lead, why do you do this? Why do you go out on the streets? Why do you hand out soup? What is the point of the soup run? Can I just start by saying God is faithful. Um, this whole time that we've done this, these last two years where we've coordinated, God has been faithful every single night. Mm -hmm. But why do we do it? So I've got a list of, um, a quick list of figures. So in December 2022, we had 2,091 people who had no food. So we literally, each night we went out, um, not just the PCC teams, but the, the whole of Plymouth, every night we had 2,091 people, which is an average about 67 people per night who are hungry who literally have what we give them on a night, which would be a pasty, a sandwich. They're starving. They have nothing, to, nothing left in their house. They've paid their rent, possibly, or their addictions or whatever else, but they're struggling. They're really struggling. So all they have is one little bag rat. Um, if you're in the military, you know what that is. A little bag rat at night, and that's all they had. But a, a complete figure, which is going to blow you away, is 28,527 people were hungry last year. And that's just in Plymouth. So why do we do it? There's a need. There's a need, and we are called to be Christ followers. There is, walking down the streets of Plymouth, you see people sitting in the corners, in the alleyways, in the aisles, just begging for money or begging for food, and your heart goes out to them. Your heart changes when you know Christ, and you think, oh. <coughs> that's, that's why we chose Super, <coughs> because there's such a need in Plymouth. 28,000. And we go out on Fridays, you go out on Fridays as a Plymouth Christian Center team, but there are churches going out every night of the week um, throughout Plymouth, so yeah. this is done every night of the week. Yeah. Um, if you could just explain what's involved with the soup run. Um, highlight kind of a typical Friday evening, the jobs involved yeah. uh, across the board. What, what, do you all, what do you do? Yeah. So on a, on a Friday, generally during the week, we have, we have six faithful team, team leaders. We have six teams. Um, on a Monday, they'd send out a message to their team saying, basically, are you free on uh, Friday? So during the week, they'll get the, the basic provisions, be it bread, be it butter, be it spreads, be it crisps, everything else, which is a cost to the teams. Um, but what my, myself and my wife Catherine used to do is we used to get the pasties, um, deliver the pasties, do all the basics, the bags and everything else behind it. But on the Friday nights, the teams would turn up at half, about 7 o'clock, half 7, start getting the pasties into the ovens because the pasties, if you're a, if you're a cook, take a good, good long time to cook. You obviously have food standards which you need to meet. Um, you can't just chuck them in the oven and hope for the best. So you cook the pasties, you cook the sandwiches, you do I meat. hope you don't cook the sandwiches. <laughs> I don't cook. <laughs> I walk around looking busy, but I don't cook. No, so you don't cook the sandwiches, um, but you have the sandwiches, um, you have the crisps, you fill the bags up, um, you, you literally, on average, we, for, my, for my team, we do about 70 bags per night. That's on average we would do, so 70, 80. So what time is that in, into the kitchen upstairs? Into the kitchen about 7 to 7.30. Preparing food. What time do you go out on the street? So we're at the first stop at Mayflower Street. We're there for 8.45, and that's the busiest. That's where you see the addictions. That's where you see the real need. Um, and that's the busiest stop. You have about 40 people there. Uh, so that's the first stop, and you literally... <laughs> How many stops do you do? We do four stops. And what time do you finish? Um, see, the last stop is um, 9.45 to 10.15, so we're at King Street, um, the last stop, which is the place where we actually get to, um, to speak to the people. So sometimes when it's really busy, you're literally passing food out, and you don't necessarily get a chance to pray. 
Um, but when it comes to the quieter times on King Street, Martin Street, on the Hoe, you can literally just stand beside someone and say, how was your week? How was it? Sometimes they're closed off, sometimes they're completely open, and there's been so much opportunity. I, I never realized how much people want prayer. But when you're on your face and you have nothing, they're like, ah, oh, please, please pray. Can you tell me of, of an individual or a story or a, a kind of person that you've met on the streets um, that you remember? <laughs> I can tell <laughs> um, There's lots of needs. There is lots of needs. I want to I tell you not about a person on the streets. I want to tell you about God's provision. Can I tell you about that? So God's provision. So we know God provides. We know God is faithful, don't we? Um, so we've had this, you have this blog. So every week you think, it was 70 out last week, 60 this week. You don't want to waste food. You don't want to waste food. You don't want to do too much. You don't want to waste it. So this week, which we don't normally do, we decided to do about 50 sandwiches. We thought 50 is on average. 50 is all right. Because the previous week it was 35, maybe 20. It was in the summer. People were more interested in their addictions than they were actually getting food. So we got to the first stop. I remember we only had 50. We got to the first stop at um, Mayflower Street. <laughs> we had 47 people. <laughs> but we were like, ah, so we had three, sorry, 37 people. So we had 13 left. We had 13 bags left to go around the rest of the stops. And you know when you think, oh, this couldn't get any worse. This could not get any worse. But on our team, um, there's five, five Christians and there's one person who doesn't attend church. So I thought, what have we got to lose? I says, right, let's gather around the back of the, the boot and the, the boot of the car. Let's pray. And I said to the, the non-Christian person, I said, let's just watch these crazy Christians do something. Um, so we prayed. We said, God, you're faithful. We know you're faithful. <laughs> we might have underestimated tonight, but you're faithful, and we know you're going to provide. Um, basically, there was more than um, 17 people at the other stops, and I think we cared for 65 people in total, which is 15 people extra what we managed to provide for. We didn't share we didn't go back and get stuff. God just provided at each and every stop. And you know when you think, <laughs> do I shout this out? What, what do I do? But on, on the blog that we do for Superon in Plymouth, you can't necessarily say uh, we prayed for such and such because you're not allowed to do that. But we do. Mm. Um, so on the blog, I said, took out 60, uh, sorry, took out 50, fed 67, basically, do your own maths. Um, but it was amazing. You know, we just stood there, and I'm sure the person who doesn't come to church must have thought, <laughs> Did I, he must have miscounted. You mean, and there's so many things. And an example of someone who's in need was just before Christmas, we had a young family. Basically, a young family lost their job, got moved into B&B, um, and didn't want to come to the super room because it's full of addiction, it's full of fights, it's full of drink. That's, that's not always the case, but generally um, the case. But they're such nice people. So this family didn't come, and I was asked by Hilary Knight, who runs the whole of Plymouth Superum. She says, can you go to this B&B &B and drop off some food? And I thought, I can't really be bothered. I mean, it's not, it's not, I don't really want to do it. But anyway, Catherine said, let's get, let's get a present, because it was a young child there. Let's get a present, and take a present and some food. So anyway, we got a little doll, and I walked up to this B&B, &B, and this little girl, now my Izzy's 12 now, but when she used to see a doll, she'd go, it's a baby, it's a baby. I opened the door, and this little girl didn't see the food, seen the, the baby in my arms. She just went for it, and I thought, oh. You know when you think, oh, we're serving people, but there's a love, and there's a connection there as well. So. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Thank you.
Now, what Paul and Catherine have said to me is, is that, um, yeah, they need, they need help. They need team leaders. They need team members. Um, sometimes they've had to step in many times for people that have not been able to make it. And the team is stretched. And Jesus said, did he not? <laughs> for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. And I was naked and you gave me clothing. And I was sick and you cared for me. And I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did that happen? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. You were doing it for me. When you hand out the soup on a Friday night, when you make the sandwiches, when you serve the pasties, when you go and pick them up, when you prepare them, you were doing it for me. And we want to be Jesus-centered, and we want to be his representatives. And we represent Christ when we go out on the streets, and these teams do that, and they need help. And what I found as well with the soup run teams is that they do numerous jobs. So it may be that you don't want to go out late on a Friday night but you could help with some of the logistics. They need some administrative backup. You could help with that. You could help prepare the food. Some of you would like to go out and help with the teams, but we're going to be doing a ministry fair at the end of this series, or over the next few weeks, you can talk to Paul at the end. He'll be at the end. He'll be at the Connect Corner. Um, We'd love for you to get involved if that's something that you could help with. But we are Christ-centered because also we represent Christ in that we preach Christ. For Christ did not send me to baptize, Paul said in this chapter of 1 Corinthians, but to preach the gospel. That's what, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Our vision statement, our value says, first and foremost, we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus. We want to become more like him and point people towards him. The message of the cross, Paul said, is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, we know that it's the very power of God. We know that this message that we have and that we share with others is the very power of God. The world would never know him, Paul said, through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. We preach Christ crucified. And in verse 24, he says, but to those called by God to salvation, Christ is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. And here's what Paul said in chapter 2 as he goes on in, in 1 Corinthians. He said, when I first came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I had for you. Not wise and persuasive words, just Jesus. I handed Jesus to you. I presented Jesus to you. This was what we are called to do. I want to invite Julie and Jenny up now who lead our Alpha ministry and something that we've been doing for many years. And um, I want to ask you the same question. Why? (laughs) Why do you do it? (laughs) Why do we do Alpha? What's the point? Um, What's the motivation behind it? I'm just going to take that. Um, uh, Come a little bit more central so we can see you. 
Alpha is um, a, a course that was designed uh, by HTB in, in London many, many years ago to reach um, non-Christians as an introduction to the Christian faith. And, you know, I don't know about you, but since I got saved, you know, y- your, your pool of people that you know who aren't Christians diminishes. But Alpha is a great way of reaching people because you know, you all get to invite people to come along. And there was a little mnemonic I heard um, Nikki Gumbel saying this week about Alpha, which is A is for ask anyone or anyone, anyone is welcome, anyone can come. Um, L is for learning, that we, we learn together. Obviously, we learn about the Christian faith, um, but we also learn from each other. We learn from the people around our tables and their backgrounds and the things that they face. Um, P is for pizza, pasta, pastries, basically food um, that we we eat together. Um, H is for helping, that we're there to help people in their journey towards Christ. And A is that you can ask anything on an Alpha course. There are no questions that you can't ask. Um, So that's a quick overview. And what... What is Alpha? We talk about Alpha a lot in this church, but what is it? Um, what does it entail? Well, Julie um, spoke a little bit about it, that it's a, a course. So it's a, sometimes we do it for nine weeks, sometimes we do it for ten. Um, so it's basically a course that goes over a couple of months, um, and we start the evening um, by welcoming everybody, and then we have um, food. On this upcoming one, we're going to have cake and coffee, and uh, then after that, we watch a short film and that discusses or looks at an aspect of Christianity, for example, who is Jesus. So this film will talks for about 20 minutes about who Jesus is and looks into the historical background of it and the biblical background and, and different, different aspects of that. And then after that, we break up into smaller groups and discuss what we've just watched. Um, and the point of Alpha really is not to persuade people with like good arguments and all that, but just to show them Jesus. To be so, we want to be Jesus-centered, and we want to show them Jesus, show them Jesus's love, show them how much Jesus cares. Um, and the Bible says, doesn't it? If you lift Jesus up, He'll draw people. Um, to himself. So that's all we have to do. We just have to be little Jesuses as best as we can. And that's why we do food, because it kind of, it, it's welcoming and it's serving these people. And um, yeah, and then we have our discussion time. And what's been your experience um, as you've led Alpha for a number of years, and we've seen many people coming through this course? What does it do? Why does it work? What, you know, what has moved you as you've, as you've been involved in representing Christ in this way? Um, Well, you get to build relationships with people around the table. You sit around the same table with the same people every week, and they build relationships with one another, and you build relationships with them, which is lovely. And by the end of the course, nobody wants it to finish. Everybody's feeling sad that it's nearly over. And, And the great thing is that most people really, really enjoy it, even if the end of that journey is that they haven't come to faith. So we're just there, we're, we're presenting them with an opportunity. They'll be on their own journey. God will be at work in them, and we're just presenting them with an opportunity to, to look at those, um, you know, issues around the Christian faith in a really clear way, but in a, in a way that's relational. And um, 
That's what's really lovely. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a, a couple of aspects with Alpha that I love. Um, first of all, it's just I grew up in a Christian uh, home and went to church, and I tried to tell people about Jesus, and nothing ever worked. And Alpha was the first thing that actually worked for me, that um, it showed Jesus, Jesus' love. It demonstrated Jesus to people, and, and it, was, it, was, it just worked. It was just amazing. I remember coming home and telling Jeff and saying, it works, it works. Um, so it's fun. I, I enjoy it. I love doing Alpha. It's exciting. Um, and yeah, because it works. And um, the other aspect is that it just is, it's fun as a team. We have fun doing it. It's hard work. Don't get me wrong. We're very tired by the end of a Wednesday. But, um, but it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. We, ha we have fun doing it together. And the next course starts when? It's starting on the 15th of February, so in one and a half weeks. So um, you have time to invite people. And we're going to um, meet here at church um, and start at half past seven and good Christian time. And this time, because it's winter, we're going to have coffee and cake. We're not going to do the full meal. We'll do that um, um, on our next course. But this time, we, did, we trialed it last year, um, just doing coffee and cake um, as we were coming back out of COVID. And it worked really well. It was nice. People, for some people, that was better. They could get the kids to bed and uh, finish work and, and then just come along. So, um, yeah, we'd like to ask you to invite people, or, or if you're not sure about Jesus, come along yourself. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Julie and Jenny. Thank you. I'm just going to show you a short alpha video now just to um, highlight that ministry. In the modern world, there's not much space for life's big questions. Oh, my God. Um, is there a map to this? Not much time set aside for. Why am I here? I don't think there's more to life than each other. I think we are the point. Is there more to life than this? Some people dream of finding happiness through money. I like cars. Something awakened in me. It was a realization I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. Where's God in all this? Growing up, I've lost a lot of people. I would lack answers for that. Are you real, God? What's the point in praying? What's the purpose behind all this? We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life. Does faith do more harm than good? It takes a lot for me to trust someone. The Alpha Film Series makes space for the big questions. Each episode unpacks a new topic and gives you time to explore what you think. Try Alpha. Try Alpha. What we find as... Um, Paul speaks here about his calling and our calling to be a representative of Jesus Christ is that actually there are different responses to that when we hold Christ out. He says in verse 23 that Jesus is a stumbling block to some people. And then in verse uh, 23 also he says to some people this message that we preach is foolishness. And, but then in verse 24 he says to those whom God has called Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we are called to be Christ's representatives. We are called into relationship with Jesus. But thirdly, the thing that Paul makes quite clear here in this opening chapter of Corinthians is that we are called and provided with God's resources. 
that he doesn't leave us alone to do this. When I first came to you, he says, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And in verse 4 of chapter 1 here, he says he gives us his grace. In verse 5, he says he enriches us in every way. In verse 7, he says he gives us spiritual gifts. In verse 30 of chapter 1, he gives us his righteousness and his holiness and his redemption. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Paul reminds them that when they first became Christians, not many of them were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God uses, Paul said, God uses weak people. God uses lowly people. God uses despised people. People like you and like me. Not many of us overly wise. Not many of us overly rich. But God uses people like us because it's all about Jesus. If we boast, Paul says, we boast in him. If we preach, we preach about him. If we have anything to offer, it is Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are called into a relationship with him. We are called to be his representatives and we are called and given his heavenly resources. Let me show you uh, one final video now, which is a video that speaks of us being a Jesus-centered church. Let's just watch this now. First and foremost, we want to be followers of Jesus, to be a Jesus-centered church. We want to preach Christ and him crucified, to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus, helping people to walk with Jesus daily, developing spiritual disciplines to do this. We want to champion prayer and scripture memorization to help people become more like Jesus. We want to be a church that has strong Pentecostal roots and that believes and preaches and experiences Jesus Christ as saviour, healer, baptizer and coming king. A church that is worshipful and vibrant and full of life. We want to develop and train servant leaders who will lead people to Christ. We want to develop a culture of serving to be Jesus' hands and his feet to each other and to the world around us. To be a church that is easily and constantly and naturally reaching out to unchurched people, a kind, welcoming, gracious and authentic church where people can explore and ask questions. In everything that we do, we want to point people to Jesus. We want to be a church that knows God and makes him known. So first and foremost, as we look at our values as a church, we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to grow in our love for him. We want to grow in relationship with him. We want to become more like him. And we want to point people towards him. This is Jesus. This is Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. Jesus alone can sustain us. 
we who are but starving beggars looking for bread. This is Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the original and the eternal source of light in the universe for us who are spiritually blind. This is Jesus who said, I am the gate of the sheepfold. He's the only door to life for those who are outside and lost. I am, Jesus said, the good shepherd. Jesus knows and cares for those who are orphaned, wandering sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the key to escaping spiritual death for those of us who are hopelessly doomed without him. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the accessible path. He's the illuminating truth. He's the giver of life for those who are lost and ignorant and dead without him. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. He's the source of eternal life for us who are dead and useless branches apart from him. Jesus is the I am. He is everywhere. He is everything. And he is every when. And he is the one that we represent. So we are called, first and foremost, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called to be his representatives. And everything that we do is to represent Christ. And we are given his resources. We want to be a Jesus-centered church. So I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to ask you if your life is Jesus-centered If you have forgotten that, first and foremost, you are called into a relationship with him. I want to ask you to be his representative and to help to serve and to reach out in the name of Jesus. And I want to ask you to be filled with and provided for by his resources. Let's pray. Lord, when you called your disciples, you called them to be with you. And you said, come and follow me. We thank you as we've reflected this morning in our service that ultimately you want us to fix our eyes on you, on Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray that as a church, we will be people that know Jesus, that love Jesus, that talk about Jesus, that lift up Jesus and point people towards Jesus because Jesus is the hope of the world. And we pray, Lord, that as individuals, Lord, our relationship will be focused on you. We pray that we will represent you, Lord, and that we will know whatever we do, whether we serve a cup of coffee or a bowl of soup or whatever we do, if we do it, Lord, we do it for you and we do it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you have provided for us every resource that we need to do this, that not many of us are wise or well-informed or rich or have great resources. But what we do, we do in the name of Jesus. We do it with the resources of Christ and heaven, and we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, that as Jesus is lifted up in this place, as Jesus is represented on the streets by those who go out, as Jesus is talked about in our children's and youth ministries, as Jesus is preached from this pulpit, Lord, as Jesus is talked about in our homes, as Jesus is on our lips and in our hearts, Lord, as Jesus is held up in the Alpha Course, I pray, Lord, that many people will be drawn to you and come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you will be at the very center 
of who we are and what we do at the Plymouth Christian Centre. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.